This morning's Old Testament reading is uh, a few verses from the 50th chapter of Genesis. And uh, this is a, an account, a part of an account of the reconciliation that Joseph has with his brothers when they come many decades later down into Egypt in search of uh, food to take back to Canaan in the midst of a famine that has gripped the land. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now, Please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. For am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament reading for this morning comes to us from the gospel according to Matthew, beginning at the 23rd verse of the 18th chapter and continuing through verse 35. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Jesus addressed his disciples saying, For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him, and as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave as he went out, came across one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, 
I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. In this parable of Jesus' the disciples, they get a two-for-one teaching. First, they and we get a reminder about the nature of our God. Jesus weaves a tale of a master and his servant slave. And you can pretty much bank on the fact that any time he uses these characters in a parable, they are to be understood as representing God and the people of God. Here, he speaks of the divine office of judge, a role filled ultimately by the Father. After all, he is the one who made all things, so who better than to rule over all things? From his judgment throne, then, he has the authority to sit in judgment over all the earth. In his parable... Jesus tells us of a righteous judge and a servant of his who is in a great deal of debt. The numbers quoted in the translation may be a bit hard for us to understand, but suffice it to say that we're talking about a very substantial sum of money that was owed by this slave. And this is the day that his master has appointed for a reckoning. We don't know what sort of payment plan had been in place prior to this day. We don't know how much of the principal had been paid by the servants. We don't know how much of the principal could ever have been paid by the servant. All we know is that on this day, he gets called in before his Lord, and the debt that is owed is... Enormous. God keeps an eye on the books, then. That we are reminded of. If this servant thought that his master was going to be too busy, too preoccupied, or too senile to remember this loan, well, he's sorely mistaken. Just as if we think God is to whatever to recall our debt. Yes, he's got plenty on his plate, but he's proved to be a pretty accomplished multitasker. Part of the divine justice system is that there is no one from the greatest to the least who will slip through the cracks. Without exception, all, everyone will one day or another be called to an accounting. The other facet of God's justice is that recognizing the debt owed him by this servant, the Lord, for whatever reason, has the power, the authority, and the will to say that the outstanding debt is canceled when the servant pleads with him. It has not been forgotten, but it has been forgiven. That may be, that may be repeating. 
It has not been forgotten, but it has been forgiven. Just as the Lord in this parable is free to exercise his right of clemency to his subjects, so our Father in heaven reserves that same privilege, and his people are the beneficiaries of his great mercy. We are that debtor brought before his master in the parable. We owe a vast sum to him, a sum that is beyond our means of repayment. For what can I give for my life? Yet our master has dealt tenderly with his servants, making provision for the forgiveness of our debt in full. We didn't earn his favor, mind you. In fact, as we read through the pages of Scripture and as we recall this long strand of human history, it becomes apparent that more often than not, we've been doing just the sorts of things that would not earn us favor with God. But despite our unworthiness, though, he has seen fit to extend us full forgiveness. This is what the parable teaches about the nature of God. He is ready, willing, and able to do just this. Within the same story, there's also a commentary on mankind. As he tells the fable, Jesus issues a cautionary tale to his listeners. Those servants who have received this pardon from their master. He is warning us to remember what has been done and to be grateful for that which has been done. When the master receives word that one whom he's just forgiven of such a great debt has turned right around and behaved so mercilessly toward one who owed him so very little by comparison, well, the master is less than pleased, to put it mildly. Why is the Lord so angered with the actions of his servant? He was, after all, within his rights to call in an outstanding debt that was owed to him. Man, created after the image or in the likeness of God, has been given free will, after all. Yet, God's intent for man is just that exemplified by the master in the parable. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, we are told. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, we pray, as Jesus instructed us. Here in this parable, we are instructed to forgive our debtors as we have been forgiven. It may sound a bit pompous or haughty, but in his divine providence, God has chosen to make us, mankind, a means to his grace. That's what gets described at the end of this gospel, according to Matthew. 
in a wonderful charge that Jesus gives his friends. This is what God promised Abram when he made covenant with him, that he would receive a blessing so that he in turn would become a blessing to the nation. And when we fail to carry out this call, it must be disappointing to God. An unimaginably big burden has been lifted from us. We ought not then to turn right around and saddle someone else with even a comparatively small one. Rather, we ought to evidence our gratitude for the compassion and the forgiveness that we have received by extending compassion and forgiveness to our neighbors, whether we judge them worthy or not. For none of us but Christ was worthy enough to deserve the pardon that we have received. Therefore, we shouldn't rush to sit in the judgment seat. It is tempting, though, I, I mean, who wouldn't prefer to be judge, jury, and executioner for those that we feel owe us something? Whether that something is a debt of cash or a, a debt of service or a debt of gratitude, whatever it may be, we, we feel that we rightly deserve something from them, something that we have yet to receive, and our patience is wearing thin. Peter knows about this. Peter has just asked Jesus, if a brother in Christ sins against me, what's the upper limit on the number of times I have to forgive him? Is it seven? Because that seems like a pretty generous number, Lord. To which Jesus responds, no, not quite seven. More like a magnitude greater, which was his way of signifying that the limit was for all intents and purposes, limitless. As big a stretch as this is for most of us, forgiving after we've been wronged repeatedly, it seems that in this parable of Jesus, there's even more that we are called to aspire to as servants of God. More than just forgiving, this teaching of Jesus reinforces teachings from earlier in this gospel concerning living out our relationship with God during our time here on earth, we're shown a negative image here. In the, the way of the ungrateful servant in this story is an example of just the way that we are not to act. The flip side, though, is expansive. How we are to act is, is open to far more imagination and individuality. Here's what I mean. The master in this text shows mercy, forgiveness, and compassion. Love, we might say, toward the servant. And he knows, probably a whole lot more than we do, the facts of this particular case, the extenuating circumstances. He is the one who has heard the extent of the debtor's pleading. The manner in which the master reacts is a sign, not just to the one pardoned, but to all with eyes to see and ears to hear. Unfortunately, it seems that the pardoned servant is at least partially blind and deaf. Perhaps 
his senses were temporarily overwhelmed by this turn of events, as unexpected as they were. That's a charitable reading of the text. Regardless, the servant then proceeds to behave in precisely the opposite way to one who finds himself in a similar situation. And when God, uh, I mean the master, gets wind of it, he's not pleased. The whole of the Christian life, then, that which we are called to live as followers of Jesus, the Son, servant of the Father, is to live as those for whom it has been paid forward, gratefully responding in word and in deed for all the words spoken and the deeds already done for us by our God, our Master, our Father. Certainly, this includes forgiving the trespasses against us of all sorts, as this parable describes at length. But while it may begin there, it doesn't end there. And maybe here is where we, as adults, can learn a lesson or two from the younger crowd. When we're kids, it seems that we live less in the past and more in the moment. If a classmate stole our book bag or bullied us out of our lunch money or took the swing away from us at recess, we were hurt. Maybe we were even angry. But most of us don't continue to hold that grudge to this day. We let it go. We may have even reconciled somewhere along the line with that person. Maybe we even wound up as friends. After the deed, whatever it was, was done, it was up to us how we were going to choose to respond to this affront. In and through his son, God has offered us forgiveness for all our affronts from those in the schoolyard and for those in the boardroom. How we respond to that forgiveness, well, he leaves that up to us. We are taught, however, that there are ways not to respond. And may this teaching of Jesus remind us all again this day of the depth of the master's love for his servants and the call laid upon each of us to respond in gratitude by embodying the mercy that we have been afforded. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.